1: Down, I guess as time goes on, I'll grow to miss it less than I will now. And I think I'm gonna tell her that I'm gonna.
2: It is 11 a.m. on a football Thursday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Schreier, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. That magical, wonderful Cocoa Ball that went viral on the old TikTok a couple of nights ago that you can find there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Those are handmade in the shop by the Chocolate Lady and crew. Uh, Now at four and a half or actually 4.6 million views on the TikTok. I guess I got to give some credit to the oldest daughter on that one. She kind of came up with that. But that uh, magical chocolate cocoa ball. And we tried a couple of them as being the quality control guy there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. It certainly has its benefits. Uh, She brought home a couple last night, and one of them not only had the miniature marshmallows in it, but uh, a little scoop of peanut butter in that chocolate cocoa for you, too. They can custom make them for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison, who together... We combine to form the 60-minute moon of Sports Talk Radio. How about it, Jacob? Any more votes to count here? I guess we still have some votes we're counting in this presidential election. But uh, thank goodness we have some football to continue to look forward to.
1: Yeah, I've I've made it my determination today to focus more on football than the social media machines, and thankfully they're settling down too.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, man. You got to. You, you got to have the distraction. Again, that's where sports comes in so handy for us. And we, we do have football. We have Mountain West College football tonight on the cable. A couple games out in the Mountain West. We also... Have an NFL game tonight. The Packers at the 40, 49ers. That's a 720 central kickoff on Fox and the NFL Network homecoming, I guess, for Aaron Rodgers. The Niners, though, boy, you talk about a depleted set of offensive weapons that they're without right now. Quarterback Jenny Garoppolo, and I know Niners fans will tell you, uh, a lot of Niners fans anyway, will tell you, what's the big deal about Jimmy G being out? Well, uh, uh, he's out for tonight. George Kittle, both those guys out for the foreseeable future. The star tight end out with a foot injury. You've got wide receiver Debo Samuel out for tonight. Not only with a hamstring, he's also on the COVID uh, list for the 49ers. Brandon Iook is on that COVID list, the rookie wide receiver. And your starting left tackle, Trent Williams, also on the COVID list. So good luck with that tonight. Uh, 49ers and we've got a lot of college football coming up this weekend we're going to go in depth on some of the national scene certainly Florida Georgia is going to qualify for that discussion when we talk with Chris Hummer coming up at the bottom of the hour the national college football writer for 247sports.com Chris kind of nailed it last week I don't know if he was just being flippant or sarcastic but He kind of nailed that Texas Oklahoma State game last week. He was like, Yeah, you know, as much as things look bad for Texas right now and Tom Herman, they'll go into Stillwater and beat a sixth ranked Oklahoma State team, a team that was probably overvalued by just a little bit at number six in the polls. Nonetheless, uh, he hit that one, and we'll get some of his other national college football picks for the upcoming weekend. We'll talk some Alabama. Football recruiting coming up in the very next segment. We'll check in with Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, right now at BOL, Hank lays it out for you very nicely, sort of the, uh, the recruiting blueprint, the map for Alabama recruiting as it looks to finish this 2021 cycle with a bang, already ranked as the number one class. For the 2021 cycle. Still got a little work to do. Got some uh, got some recruiters on this Nick Saban staff taking care of business. Three of the top five recruiters for the 2021 cycle right here in Tuscaloosa. When you talk about Charles Huff, Carl Scott, and Jeff Banks. So getting it done on the recruiting trail. We'll go into more of that with Hank coming up in a little bit. I'm going to ask him. Among other things, I'm going to ask Hank for his top three prospects or areas uh, of this Alabama recruiting effort that he expects to be uh, a focus, an emphasis placed on as we head down the stretch here. So we look forward to talking with Hank coming up in just a little bit. Uh, We also have Rusty's Home Dogs for the upcoming weekend in college football that we'll get into with you as well. Uh, You did hear from Nick Saban yesterday. Yeah, Rusty, I hear you. Just, Jacob, give him a snossage for now. We're not ready for him, but hit him with a a chew toy or something. You know, okay, back him up a little bit. We're going to get to you, Rusty. We got your picks. They're already on Twitter. I know. I put them on the personal Twitter account. At Travis Ryer. You can see him right now if you want him. Rusty's so impatient. Uh, but we'll get to Rusty coming up a little bit later. Heard from Nick Saban a couple times yesterday. Uh, we were able to hit on some of those comments from the SEC coaches teleconference from earlier on Wednesday. He spoke yesterday following practice uh, as well. Kind of a Dylan Moses day, the inside linebacker for the Alabama Crimson side. Nick was asked a couple of different times about Dylan on Wednesday, and it makes sense because you got LSU coming up. And when you look at this Alabama linebacking core, it's not just Dylan Moses. Three of Alabama's four base starters pretty much from right there in LSU's backyard. Not just Dylan Moses, but Christian Harris and also Chris Allen at the outside linebacker position. So uh, some interest in Dylan Moses and, you know, some interesting ways to look at Dylan Moses' season today.
3: This is a coordinated monthly test of the broadcast stations of your area.
0: We are testing equipment that can quickly warn you during emergencies. If this had been an actual emergency, an official message would have followed the alert tone. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system.
2: ...just production, and also what he's been saddled with in terms of running the show from the middle linebacker position. That's a different... Angle for him after being the weak side starter back in 2018 nick also made sort of a comment about Jalen waddle in effect we're gonna be without waddle for a while and i think that perked up some ears some crimson ears yesterday as if well he's saying for a while does this mean there's the possibility of Jalen waddle being back at some point maybe even in the postseason with that ankle injury, coming off ankle surgery, I don't know. My, my advice to Alabama fans has always been, in situations like this, expect not much, if anything, from a player in this type of scenario, and then just be pleasantly surprised, be blown away happy if it works out where eventually you do have Jalen Waddell in any form or fashion, whether that's late in the season, most likely the postseason you know, Nick has also compared Jalen's injury to those sustained by Kenyon Drake in the past, 2014, that injury at Ole Miss that he had. Uh, Derek Henry also had a similar injury. That was in a spring practice scenario. And, uh, you know, Henry was able to get back, but it was, he had time, you know. Spring practice wrapped up in April. He yeah. had May, June, July, into August. He had four months to get back. Kenyon Drake, he had his injury, I think it was early October 2014 in Oxford, and we saw Kenyon Drake in March at spring practice, uh, heading into the 2015 season. But he was still in a black nine contact Jersey now, look, it's 2020, six years later, medicine, uh, rehab. You've got your own sports science center right there on campus, for crying out loud. Maybe you can expedite the process. But we'll see. I, I still would would caution against uh you know, a lot of energy and emotion being placed into seeing Jalen Waddell in the in the very near future, but prior to late December, early January, I would think at the earliest. Hey, you know what else we have from the Alabama perspective? We got this yesterday. We have a men's hoops non conference schedule for Nate Oates' team. By the way, Nate Oates and select players are going to address the media. Coming up in about an hour. So adjust your timelines accordingly. You're going to start seeing updates from Nate Oates and a couple of players around noontime, twelve fifteen central or so is when you can anticipate that storm on your social media. Um, Charlie Potter, by the way, abamaonline.com will be among those updating you, of course. The men's hoops non con schedule gonna open here in Tuscaloosa on November the 25th, that's Jacksonville State coming in here. The Gamecocks, 13-19 and a year ago, seventh in the Ohio Valley Conference, returned just one starter. And then you make the trip to the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, right? A little bit of a detour with that one, not going to the Big Island, going to North Carolina. Instead, Alabama will see Stanford in opening round action there at the Maui Invitational. Jared Haas, the former UAB coach, now your Stanford head coach, the Cardinal last year twenty and 12, seventh in the Pac twelve, and then of course there is a path. I like to use those election terms, you know these, uh, you know the, the, these type of this type of vernacular the, the, these last few days. But then there's a path for Alabama with a win over Stanford to most likely see North Carolina in round two there the Maui. December the 12th, it's on to Atlanta. You know, I was thinking for a second there, is that going to match up with possibly and become a doubleheader for Alabama in Atlanta on December the 12th? Unfortunately, it does not, or maybe fortunately, because the SEC championship game for football is actually December 19th. But Alabama-Clemson in Atlanta, December the 12th. Clemson a year ago, 16-15, and and 9-11 in the ACC. Brad Brunel... Brownell in his 11th season. Hard to imagine he's already been there that long. Then you come back to Tuscaloosa the first time in twenty twenty-one days. Alabama will play a home game at Coleman against Furman. The Purple Paladins. You know, Furman in that Southern Conference has been legit for about three or four years now. 23 or more wins for Furman in each of the last four seasons. 25-7 and seven last year. 15-3 and three in the SoCon. Lost in the SoCon Uh, championship game and then this is a really good stretch from a tuesday to a tuesday that Furman games on a tuesday saturday saturday speaking of the sec championship game december the 19th houston comes to tuscaloosa that's a get your picture took game that's legit because Houston 23 and 8 last year, 13 and 5 in the ultra competitive AAC, top 25 team coming to town. You know, Kelvin Sampson, veteran head coach. Interesting Montana note uh, we like to make here. Kelvin Sampson from Butte, Montana. Uh, Phil Jackson from neighboring Deer Lodge, Montana. A couple of uh, pretty good basketball coaches from about a half hour between each other out in the middle of Montana. Houston is the preseason pick to win the AAC this season, this year, and bringing in two four-star guards. Tremont Mark and Jamal Sheed is Kelvin Sampson. You also have ETSU coming in the following Tuesday. So those three games, Furman, Houston, ETSU. You got a first-year head coach and Jason Shea taking over the Bucs. He was promoted to the job to replace Steve Forbes, who left for Wake Forest. The Bucs were 30-4 and last season. Captured both the SOCON, regular season and tournament championships. Uh, Losing all five starters, ETSU is, but bringing in four Division I transfers. So, uh, Shea not looking for much of a drop-off there in replacing Forbes as the head coach. And then, of course, you're going to have the Big 12 SEC Challenge on January the 30th. That's Oklahoma, Alabama, out in Norman. Lod Kruger, former head coach of the Florida Gators. Um, you know, this is interesting for OU because this game's going to be sandwiched for it between road games at Texas midweek, and then Texas Tech the following midweek game. So you're going to have Alabama in there for the weekend. OU last year, 19 and 12, a very Lon Kruger like nine and nine in the Big 12, and they return a all Big 12 guard in Austin Reeves, averaged just about 15 points per game. A year ago, and then you're going to have SEC play preceding that trip to Oklahoma. The 29th and the 30th of December, you're going to get going with the Southeastern Conference. There you go. We're going to take a little break here when we come back. Recruiting talk with Hank South of BamaOnline.com when a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9 FM returns
1: right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Vanna sports and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama wide receiver John Mechie continues to be a top target for quarterback Mac Jones this season. Mechie spoke to the media about what he's seen from Jones this year, as well as his Canadian roots. Um, I think what Mac has done best is take control of the offense and lead the offense as a whole. Um, And as far as proving people wrong, I feel like that's something that um, as a team we're all trying to do. I wouldn't say I feel the eyes of the country watching me, but I definitely feel um, prideful about being from Canada and just being a kid from Canada. um, Given the chance to play here at Alabama, I'm extremely grateful for it and I definitely don't take it for granted. I'll have more in a moment. Have
2: you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred Tractor Equipment Dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
1: Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Chris Stewart hosts starting at six thirty PM Central across the network, as he'll be joined by Coach Saban, as well as Jay Sewell, Glenn Putre, and John Parker Wilson. If you cannot listen at 630, the show will be archived on our Alabama Insider Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And that's your Bama update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky, the high 74, clear
0: tonight below 53. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 75. And the weekend, dry and mild, partially sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 76 and 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied.
2: of a Thursday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Reyer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Someone that's with you 24-7, literally and figuratively, is Hank South, Recruiting Analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com. And we go to the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Line right now to check in with Hank. As the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, has ventured through this bye week, and Hank, as I bring you on here, has to be different, has to be, because of what the staff typically would be doing from a recruiting perspective during an open date and what it can do, I guess, in this pandemic time we're dealing with right now. Yeah, it's kind of wild to think about, you know,
3: in in a normal year, um, at this point in time, you know, coaches, assistant coaches um, have been going out on the road for, you know, a month and a half now on, you know, whether it be a Thursday or Friday night um, prior to their own games on Saturdays to see recruits. You know, it's, it's that um, I think it's called the evaluation period. Um, coaches usually, you know, spend Fridays um, on the road in the schools um, then they go to the, the games on, on, uh, on Friday nights before heading back to, uh, to the campus for the game or, you know, whether it be an away game um back to join the team um so you know obviously that's off the table this year with with the dead period um through at least the end of the year so you know that, that's not going to happen at least for a for a fall season um so you know yeah it's it's gonna be one of those things where you know i think this week will be spent obviously kind of diving into to tape um you know whether that be on, on 2021 prospects that they're still evaluating or, or still pressing for or, or you know what we've seen in the last few days is, is 2022 guys you know we've seen I think four or five offers go out in the 2022 class just since last Saturday. Um, So it looks like Ben is putting some focus on that as well. And so, you know, I would I would expect that to continue to, um, you know, to stay that way this week, Um, you know, the staff really tuning in to the, um, you know, breaking down film and evaluating guys as much as they can. And maybe, you know, I haven't heard about this yet, but, you know, possibly more virtual visits, you know, we saw that really popular in the spring and and summer that, that, um, that, um, you know, really intrigue some guys. And, you know, I think another opportunity to just kind of catch up with your 2021 guys too, and make sure everything's good with them, make sure they're, um, you know, still happy with their decisions. Everything's, uh, everything's good and lined up prior to the early signing period next, next month.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of folks relate the bye week to the current cycle too, right? When it comes to evaluations or taking care of the loose ends, perhaps that, might be still in play with your most recent cycle, the 2021 Mm -hmm. group. But I think you just touched on it. 2022 guys are getting offers. It certainly impacts the evaluation process moving forward when you talk about this year's juniors and even sophomores, I would think. But uh, how much does this hurt, though, potentially – with trying to find that late bloomer that we've seen Alabama sprinkle into, it seems like just about every class, if not every class, about every other class. When you think of the Josh Jacobs of the world, uh, it, it, I would think, Hank, it, it reduces that possibility a good bit, doesn't it? This dead period.
3: Yeah, I think so because obviously, even with a guy like Josh Jacobs, you know, the, the you know, Bama got wind of his film and you know, and all that, but. You know, they still send a coach out to his high school just to, to see him to like make sure he kind yeah. of to what uh, to what he was looking like on film. Um, so that I mean, I, it hurts in that aspect. But I, I think at the same time, you know, the resources Alabama has, you know, they're spread across the country. They're really dialed in with a lot of different high school coaching staffs, trainers and people all throughout the nation. And obviously, you know, they have that brand behind behind them that, that helps. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those years where they're going to have to rely on, on that, rely on the tape. Um, get as many verified measurements and measurables as they can. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think overall it hurts, but it's also one of those years where, you know, there's there's really not. You know, and I say this, and I'll, we'll probably see like three or four guys pop up late. But I mean, it's it's a, it's you know, there, there's so few numbers, spots left in this class that I, I don't think it's going to be a huge thing as far as you know, missing out on maybe those late bloomers um, that maybe it would be as far as um, you know, a, a year
2: past. Yeah, you just said it. The numbers are tight for this Alabama class for the 2021 cycle with 22 commitments. We thought it might go to 23 over the weekend, but uh, Sage Ryan, the five-star safety out of Louisiana, sort of pulled the uh, the pump fake on us a little bit, But uh, and kind of, I would say, and you can touch on this if you want, guys typically end up where they're supposed to end up, even when Alabama's involved. Now, look, we've seen Alabama pull some rabbits out of some hats in some tough spots but uh that one probably went when you consider all the ties there to lsu the way it should have gone and perhaps still would have gone even if he had committed to alabama last saturday but uh with with the numbers being what they are who or which areas would you identify as maybe a top three when looking to close out this alabama class for 2021
3: yeah, you know, I think it starts with the defensive line. Um, you know, that that's kind of the area where you see the most targets still remaining that are in play for Alabama, whether it be, you know, a guy like JT Tumolo, um Misa, Adelie, Shamar Turner, even Tyreek Sapp, the Florida commit at St. Thomas Aquinas. That's a guy that's still very much in play, that that's listening to Alabama, despite his commitment to the Gators. Um, and then Mason Smith, another Louisiana guy. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the area of focus um, in, in several different ways. You know, it could finish. I think you could probably make an argument for all the, one, like, you know, each of those guys as far as, you know, why they could end up in Bama's class. So they're all still very much in play. I think, you know, you just touched on Sage Ryan. I think the secondary is probably the the, the next you're looking at as far as, you know, where to, where to really focus to finish strong. Sage Ryan, I don't think is going to – I think he's going to remain a big target of Alabama's. I think they're going to – continue recruiting him continue communicating with him. i think he has a lot of respect and likes a lot about alabama um to where he's going to keep listening to so that'll be one we're watching but beyonce Ryan, you know if, if he sticks with lsu um you know terry and arnold is a guy you know we've been talking about for a year now as far as a big target in this class a guy that can play every position in the secondary um a guy like jaquincy mckinstry that you know he's a two sport guy that's also being recruited by basketball teams too so um he, he's one we're keeping an eye on and then Back in Louisiana, Jordan Gilbert, uh, a safety uh, from Baton Rouge that that has Bama Hyatt uh, among his list. So, you know, if he, he's a guy that could, um, Bama could, if they press um, to add him, could also wind up in this 2021 class. And then after that, you know, it's kind of, you know, take your pick, you know, you, you look at the wide receiver position, um, Brian Thomas is still out there. It looks like Bama has some some positive traction with him, a recruitment that kind of goes back and forth. But uh, one that Bama's been in, in play for for a long time, uh, All-American wide receiver that, you know, you add them to the fold of the guys they already have. I mean, that you're talking about one of the all-time great wide receiver classes. Um, you know, obviously 2017 is kind of the bar, but you know, a year you're looking to add some wide receivers, I don't think you could do it much better than that oftentimes, but um, so Brian Thomas. Is another guy,
2: another Louisiana guy, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. So that that's going to be an interesting one to, to watch, and he's he's one that's you know, he's not just considering Alabama and LSU. It, it's, it's Georgia and A&M as well. And so he, he's, he's a guy we're, we're tracking. But, you know, I think those are kind of the main areas to watch. And then, obviously, there's always kind of that category of, you know, too good to pass up on if they want in, too elite or so. You know, there's always you, – you can always see a guy at a, another position group, kind of a wild card, end up joining the full two.
2: You know, because of what you do and, and you're so connected with these guys throughout the process – still very fresh just from the 2020 cycle and your experiences and covering a lot of these true freshmen that we're seeing for Alabama emerge during the 2020 season. And uh, we've hit on a few of them throughout the season, certainly Malachi Moore, Will Anderson. Uh, Defensively, there's been more than a few. Uh, As Alabama goes into this bye week and we think about some of these freshmen that even down the stretch, still have a chance to play big roles for this team. Um, I I would think Brian Branch would obviously be in that mix. Uh, Tim Smith we're seeing more of along that defensive line. Even Jamil Burrows, who was kind of under the radar as a defensive line prospect in the 2020 class, we're seeing rep more in that rotation. And I would even throw Trey Sanders, even though he's a 2019 guy because of the injury um, just kind of your thoughts on some of these freshmen maybe that we haven't seen or talked about as much through six games that, that you think have that opportunity down the stretch.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I, again, you know, we talk about him all the time, but I, I don't think you can say enough about, you know, the, the impact Malachi Moore has had and just kind of, I mean, almost kind of in an unexpected way. You know, you, 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 we were talking about so many of the other guys in the, in the 2020 class um, making an earlier impact than, than Malachi Moore, but, you know, he, he's a guy that came in in the summer. He wasn't even an early enrollee. And kind of just, uh, you know, got himself in the mix and, and is having just a sensational freshman season thus far um, on the Alabama defense. Um, but I, I think one of the guys, you know, I've been I've been happy to see. And is, is I think it's, it's fun to see him kind of come into his own as Tim Smith. Um, like you just mentioned, the, the, the defensive tackle from Florida. And I think what a lot of people don't realize with Tim Smith is, you know, he's still relatively new to football. You know, I, his senior year, I think, was maybe his second year ever playing football. Uh, wow. I think that was it. So you know, he's still learning the game. Obviously, you know, he, he's kind of he's coming into his own. He, he's going to develop. And We saw him obviously get his his first official uh, Nick Saban
2: um, to, uh, <laughs> chewing.
3: <laughs> on, I talked to his coach <laughs> on Sunday. They were laughing about it. You know, he was baptized in the Nick Saban. <laughs> but uh, no, so it was um, he, he's been fun to watch. And yeah, Trey Sanders obviously starting to play a lot better as well after kind of that that slow start earlier in the year. Um, So it's fun to see this guy, you know, obviously, you know, I've always been a big Brian Branch guy as well. Um, A guy that was really, really fun to watch on Friday nights um, in all three phases of the game. You know, he was, he was probably a top 100 receiver too. So, you know, he can, he can do a lot as well. So I think these guys will all have a a big role um, down the stretch for Alabama.
2: As we let you out of here, Hank, on a Thursday morning, uh, Alabama currently, when we look at this 2021 cycle from a recruiting perspective, three of the top five recruiters in the 24-7 sports composite recruiter rankings, all from Alabama. Charles Huff, the running backs coach, currently the number one ranked recruiter in the country for the 2021 cycle. Carl Scott on his heels there at number two. You got Jeff Banks in that top five as well. Any of those guys still involved with top targets for this class, or could it be, Hank, that some other staff members come up big here down the stretch?
3: No, yeah, I I mean, I think other staff members could certainly come out big and, you know, maybe, you know, crack into that top 20. Charles Kelly's just outside that top 20 and number 23. You know, Pete Golding, obviously, you know, had, say, dry and committed and, you know, potentially landing Brian Thomas. I mean, I think that would certainly put him in the – at least in the top 20, if not higher. But um, I don't think anyone's going to catch Charles Huff. You know, he he has – we don't have a recruiter rankings calculator, so it's kind of hard to to tabulate everything. But he has three five-star recruits committed and then Dallas Turner, who's – a borderline five-star. So, you know, if Dallas Turner ends up a composite five-star, that's that's four or five-stars in one cycle um, in your area. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if that's ever really been done. Maybe it has. I, I could be wrong. But I don't think he's going to be caught in 2021. Um, Carl Scott's obviously recruited really well. But Jeff Banks, he actually has the opportunity to, to maybe I'm, – I'm not sure if this will put him at number three or even number two, but to keep climbing in that top five. Um, Shamar Turner is, is in his area, and, and so is uh, Tunise Dalier, who's in his area. So um, he, he's got a chance to, to move up. Charles Kelly, you know, is a guy that's recruiting um, Terry and Arnold, even Xavier and even though that one's kind of trending towards Georgia. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- there can still be some movement, but I, I think these, uh, these three coaches have certainly um, planted themselves safely in that top five, um, you know, to close out the 2021 class.
2: Always great stuff there. With Hank South of BamaOnline.com If you haven't already Give him a follow on Twitter At HankSouth247 And say try and may not be done yet Hank kind of let us know there That's that's an ongoing battle there With the freshly committed LSU uh, commitment there In the last week or so Hey Hank as always great stuff Thanks for everything you do Not only here but certainly at BamaOnline.com as well We'll talk to you again real soon Sure thing. Thanks, Travis. There he goes. Hank South, recruiting analyst, BamaOnline.com. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Right after them, you're listening to Southern Fried Sports
0: with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: songs. I think just about just about anything from those guys would qualify. Specifically that guy the late Kirk Cobain. A little Nirvana. Live cut no less for you there. Going back in the day. Going back to Bleach for that one. A little school on a Thursday. That drummer though, Dave Grohl. I would make the argument The most impactful musician, at least in popular music, over the last 30 years. You go back to his stint there with Nirvana, and then what else he's done in the world of rock, specifically with uh, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, Dave Grohl's the man. Let's go to uh, the professorial one, the man that we refer to as the college football professor around here. Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 24-7 Sports Dot com. Chris, what about it? I say Dave Grohl, most impactful music musician of the last 30 years. What what say you? Is that a yay or a nay? Do I get a passing grade from the professorial one or a or maybe an F there in that assumption that a uh, that evaluation,
1: Chris?
4: I mean, it's not a bad answer, given his status of Nirvana and obviously switching it up with the Foo Fighters. And I mean, he might be the most recognizable rock and roll star of this era. But I, I don't want to dive too deep into this. But given the way hip hop and R and B have kind of permeated their way into pop culture and popular music, I would think it would be it would have to be somebody from that genre, and at least in my opinion, uh, who takes that spot. As for as for who that would be, out of kind of a pretty deep lineup, I'm
2: not sure. Yeah, I, if I wanted to expand to artists, I might get more into hip hop. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it, when we're talking about drums, lead guitar things like that and a front man, you know, I, th- that, that's, that's where it gets more into growl. But if you just want to talk about overall artists in music who have impacted the genre, no doubt, that's when you start bringing in, I think, uh, uh, the Dr. Dre's and, and people like that, that just in terms of producing, um, you know, just music-changing content, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, well right.
4: only only one person's a Grammy winning producer, artist, and a presidential candidate. So that that'd be Kanye West. So there you know, too.
2: Yeah, I saw where one of the comedians uh, on Twitter <laughs> the other day referred to him as "No Chance," the rapper in his politi- politics. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, dig oh it. I gosh. dig it. No, there's no doubt. I mean, Kanye, he's. Uh, He's done a lot of stuff that's changed that game, no doubt about that. Hey, let's talk about some games for this upcoming weekend in college football. I know that you and Brad Crawford there uh, at 247sports.com each week, you uh, pick some select games from around college football. Uh, Straight up, Chris Humber in those games so far this season. 47-23 and against the man, against the spread little bit under 500 at 33 36 and one and i know if you start factoring in some vig there that can get a little that can get a little pricey but you know you're not going to lose your kneecaps put it this way at 33 36 and one so we we'll, we'll, we can live with that chris when it comes to ats but you know there's a big friday night football game and around here that typically means high school football i know out in the austin area where you are that means high school football as well but you talk about a defining matchup on the blue turf tomorrow night with BYU and Boise State. Uh, this is it, right?
4: Yeah, I agree. First of all, do not, do not, if you're reading my picks column for uh, betting advice, make sure you listen to Brad more than me. I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd recommend that for sure. Um, as far as the Friday night game in Boise, yeah, it's a huge one. Um, it's really BYU's only opportunity this season to make a statement. Um, If the Cougars win this week, they're very likely to finish 10 and 0. And if you can somehow go on the road and beat Boise uh, by three touchdowns, like if things get a little crazy nationally, Boise State's or I'm sorry, BYU has at least a small chance of being in the playoff discussion. But they have to take care of business in Boise. They have to take care of business against that blue turf. And uh, they might be advantaged because Hank Bachmeier, Boise State's quarterback, is likely going to be out this week as well.
2: Yeah, this is a big game for for Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback. Um, It's been a beneficial season for him in a lot of ways. Not only has BYU been very good, but they've sort of become what the Pac-12 was, at least up until this weekend with the Pac-12 coming into play. We all have kind of turned to BYU after like 8 Central on Saturday nights, right? Even if it has been Western Kentucky or troy or some of these opponents that's what we've had to watch so he's had some nice stages even if it hasn't always been against great competition
4: yeah um that's that's certainly that's a that's a great point um i just kind of wonder thinking about zach Wilson, like who's made more money this year zach Wilson or mac jones and um, yeah. i think they've i think they're both stacking it up but yeah, the the Heisman candidacy there is certainly fascinating. Um, Zach Wilson, other than a game last week against Western Kentucky, has been on fire. Uh, I think he was completing about 80% of his passes going into last week. So this is an opportunity uh, to not only kind of push himself into that mix, but maybe even create a little first-round buzz for himself.
2: You know, I know it's a different regime in College Station, but when the calendar shifts to November – I still have trust issues when it comes to Texas A&M after what we (laughs) saw under some there down the stretch of his tenure there with the Aggies. But A&M at South Carolina, Saturday night, as I guess seven and a half, eight points, depending on where you look. A favorite on the road. Uh, I see where you like the Aggies on the road, but maybe you're not as convinced that you would go ahead and lay those eight or the seven and a hook.
4: Yeah, I – I as you said, I have a little bit of a trust issue with AM. I still I think if this was a different year in the SEC, A and M would be looked at more of what they usually are, which is like a nine and three team, maybe a ten and two if things go well. Uh but this Aggies team um is playing a down year in the SEC, but just South Carolina I think um is laying down some points the wrong way. Because of how they played against LSU, I don't expect them to play that poorly again this week. They're much, much better at home under Will Muschamp. And A&M's lack of an explosive offense outside of Ariana Smith kind of really concerns me. They don't create points in bunches. They don't come at you in the way some of the elite teams do nationally, which I think is going to allow South Carolina to stick around in the game.
1: You
2: know, we do have the Pac-12 cranking up this weekend, and there's been the strong sentiment that once we finally did get Pac-12 play underway, Oregon would once again stand out as the, the top choice uh, in that league. And very interesting matchup in week one with Stanford headed to Eugene, uh, the Cardinal coming off a really rough year last year. Um, no Justin Herbert for Oregon. Is this kind of a statement game? For, for Oregon at home is a 10-point favorite, and how do you kind of see that one playing out?
4: I don't know about a statement game, but I, I guess it's more of a, at least from my perspective, it's a what-you-got kind of game for Oregon because they obviously lost Justin Herbert, but they lost the entirety of what was the best offensive line in college football a season ago, including Pene Sewell, who would have been the best lineman in college football this year. Um, they lost almost their entire secondary um, they lost most of that defense off of last year's team. They still have big questions at receiver. Uh, I don't really know what Tyler show is going to show us. Um, and with Joe Moorhead calling plays and without an off season for him to really install a system, there are a ton of questions. And what Stanford brings in is a ton of continuity. That's a really talented Stanford team still, despite losing Walker Little and Paulson Sonadipo to the draft. Davis Mills, I don't think anybody really remembers. Uh, their quarterback was ranked ahead of Tua Tonga Valoa. In the 2016 class, he was that kind of prospect. He's been hurt throughout, but he's healthy, and I think people out there in Palo Alto are expecting a really big year. So this could be a really big test for Oregon, and I think we're going to know a lot more about where Oregon kind of falls in the roll standings after this week. If they win convincingly, it'll be telling as to Oregon's chances this year, but I, I would not be surprised if those close.
2: You know, the, the premier games, we're going to get to those now. Uh, in all of college football this weekend kind of similar right you've got you've got teams the higher ranked teams in these games are both dealing with quarterback issues and they're both dealing with some defensive injuries that could prove problematic on Saturday and we're talking about Georgia and Clemson and looking at your picks looks like a Common thread in in your thoughts on these games and maybe how they're actually going to play out on the scoreboard. It looks like Chris with with Florida, Georgia, and Clemson, Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm a lot more
4: confident in my Florida pick than I am my Notre Dame pick. I, I want to put that out there now. I just think, given all the defensive injuries Georgia has on outside of the ball, including two of their best defensive tackles, their starting safety, senior captain Richard the Count, out after a motorcycle incident. Um, the starting linebackers out as well. Um, couple that with Stetson Bennett, um, who for my money continues to be, I I don't want to be like rude, but like uh, compared to like the rest of the stars in the sec, he is a below average quarterback in that league. And when you're as talented as they are on the outside, that's a big kind of impediment to success. Like Georgia, if it had a good QB, I would pick to win this game, even with its defensive issues. But When you talk about what Seth Brennett brings to the field versus what Kyle Trask and that Florida offense will do down-to-down, I have a lot more trust in Florida uh, to kind of come out with that win. On the other side of things, Notre Dame, I'm a little more hesitant. Notre Dame's wide receiver group is legitimately one of the worst in the Power Five, but they make up for that with the nation's best offensive line, perhaps outside of Alabama, and a run game that kind of just punches people in the mouth. Uh, so, given that Clemson's still banged up on their front seven, still missing Tyler Davis, still missing two of their starting linebackers, and the fact that Clemson's strength, their kind of secondary, is going to shut down the wide receivers either way. they're going It's going to be a one-dimensional game. I just like Notre Dame to lean on Clemson a little bit, and I like Notre Dame to kind of finally take this opportunity to take that step as a program and beat an elite team.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you're viewing – Notre Dame as a better version of Boston College from last week in terms of even how they stylistically match up and what both well, I, those teams sort of lean sorry. on. In and, and quarterback play, I guess with Book, you're, you're talking about maybe a little bit of an upgrade for for Notre Dame there too.
4: I think Zay Flowers, Boston College's receiver, is better than anything Notre Dame can try out there. But yeah. yeah, with Book, I think it's a bit of an upgrade. And I think Notre Dame's tight ends, they don't get talked about a lot. Tommy Tremble, Michael Mayer, they're true freshmen, kind of five-star, two of the best in the country at their position already. I think they have enough pieces offensively when you can kind of count on that offensive line to challenge Clemson. And I actually, I think something that won't get talked about as much is Clemson's offense is really reliant on Travis Etienne, kind of the middle of the field, Armani Rogers, Braden Galloway, their tight end. But Notre Dame's strength is up the middle, Um, Kyle Hamilton, their safety, um joker uh they're kind of linebacker who i'm not going to try to pronounce his name i apologize they have good defensive tackles as well notre dame is good up uh, good enough up the middle to potentially force dj Ui U- U- angalele to kind of push the ball outside. and clemson's kind of x and y receiver, x receivers this year have had
2: trouble um kind of make, getting separation on their own yeah amari rogers he's tough on the inside but it, it has been interesting to see clemson kind of take the step back from that run of outside guys and obviously no Justin Ross this season, um, was a blow for sure. But I mean, for Travis Etienne though, even though we uh, kind of largely acknowledge it as a quarterback award these days, is a Heisman trophy opportunity for him. I mean, he goes for 200 plus against this Notre Dame defense and a win and, uh, he's going to be hard to ignore, isn't he?
4: Yeah, I, I agree. But at the end of the day, I still it's the same problem. Najee Harris is going to have like he's yeah. going to be splitting both. Quarterback the quarterback. Them out. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's a, such a quarterback award. It's almost too bad because like they're really like Chase Young was the best player in college football last season, for example. And for him not to really garner enough votes to even be—I mean, I shouldn't discount Joe Burrow. I think that's a special case. But regardless, oh. yeah, I agree. Um, I'd be surprised
2: if anybody but a quarterback wins the award. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor went for over 2K last year and didn't get an invite as a running back. I mean, that's that kind of tells you where we're at right now. Hey, as it, always, it great, Melvin great stuff. Melvin Gordon in 2013. And- Sorry, go ahead. What's that?
4: I was saying Melvin Gordon ran for like 2,500 yards and <laughs> like 2014, right,
2: and finished in third place in the award voting. So these poor Wisconsin backs. backs. I mean, you got to go back to Dane, Ron Dane, before you know, since they've really gotten some real love on the national level. Old Ironhead. Hey, uh, Chris, we appreciate the time, my man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. For sure. Thanks so much. There he goes. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. Back to put a wrap on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. A
0: A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky, the high 74. Clear tonight below 53. Tomorrow mostly sunny with a high at 75. And the weekend dry and mild. Partially sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 76 and 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9.
2: Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Ironhead uh, was not the nickname of Ron Dane, the former Heisman Trophy winning running back from the University of Wisconsin. Similar body type, similar run style for sure, but Craig Ironhead Hayward is the uh, appropriately nicknamed Ironhead. Former Pitt standout, Atlanta Falcon. Fortunately, that just far too soon so i just wanted to clean that up speaking of cleaning some things up rusty he's a mess man he is an absolute mess and before we get out of here today uh we're gonna get you his home underdogs for college football this week with the sharpest teeth rusty coming into the weekend with an 18 and 10 18 10 and 1 season mark for rusty on his home underdogs college football yeah we hear you rusty All right, Rusty likes. He likes Arkansas getting the two at home with the balls in town on Saturday night. He likes Indiana getting the three with Michigan visiting Bloomington. Uh, He likes South Carolina. He doesn't trust Texas A&M in November either. He likes South Carolina getting the seven and a half. And he's going to take Notre Dame. He's with Chris Hummer on that one. He likes Notre Dame getting the five and a half in South Bend Saturday night on Primetime on NBC. Now, as far as the poll for the home underdogs, you people lean more to Arkansas getting the two. 51, 52% of the vote right now leaning towards Arkansas and the two against Tennessee. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Chris Hummer. Thanks to Hank South. Thanks to Jacob Harrison once again for producing the show. The Lunch Whistle on this Thursday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Outstanding pizzas, outstanding bar specials. Get by there. Monday through Thursday, you're going to have those nightly pizza specials. They're going to be great. They're going to be as good as any pizza you've ever put in your mouth. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.